Well, good morning. Uh, please take your Bibles and open them up to Proverbs. Take your Bibles, open them up to Proverbs chapter 2. Chapter 2 this morning. Proverbs chapter 2. Let's pray as we consider God's Word. Let's pray. Our Lord, we ask. Again, we're coming to you, feeble, weak people, asking for you to speak eternal words into our lives. Lord, this is an eternal matter, and this has weight. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us with our focus, help us give our attention to your word. Oh Lord, our ears have heard so much this week. So much from the world. We pray that we hear much from you in your word. Speak to our hearts, Lord. We ask that you would do that. In your precious, wonderful name. Amen. We live in a world that promises so much, but very rarely delivers. We live in a world that promises us so much and very rarely delivers. For example, this world will offer you a cream. And they'll say, if you take this cream, this anti-aging cream, you take this cream, what does this world promise? Then you will stay young. And this world will say you will notice the results in two weeks. If you take this cream, then, then you will notice the results in two weeks. But we all know, don't we, that the result is always the same for all of us. Because there is no cream for death, is there? One day, all of us will have a stone in the ground. I don't care what cream you can sell me for $10.99. You have no cream for death. This world promises so much, very rarely delivers. And what these promises are, what I call the if-then promises of the world. You heard that promise in what I said. If you buy this cream, then you will stay young. The if-then promises of this world. If you do this, then you will have this. If you buy this holiday, the world says, then you will have rest. Then you will finally get the rest that you wanted, except you foolishly bought a Ryanair ticket. You flew with them and you realized it's not restful. Then you got into the hotel and your air conditioning was broken. And then you got into fights all the time with your kids for two weeks because you didn't want to, them to go into the pool after every single meal. And you figured out this isn't restful. This world promises us so much, but very rarely delivers the if-then promises of the world. If the world says you take a photograph of yourself, or you take a video of yourself, then you will get all these subscribers, then you will get all these followers, then you will get all these likes, and then you will be happy. 
many of us realize we're not all that happy. No matter who we have following us, who we have liking us, or who we have subscribing to us, this world promises us so much, and yet very rarely delivers. The if-then promises of the world. God is entirely different. When God promises us something, He always delivers. He always delivers on His promises. And what we have in this passage is an if-then promise, not from the world, but an if-then promise from God. And when you hear this, you can be assured He will deliver. Because we're so used to this world not delivering, not delivering, not delivering. So how do we behave? We behave with suspicion. The mechanic says, if you give me this money, I'll fix your car. And you don't believe him. Because we're so used to people not keeping their promises. Our God, he always delivers. So what we see in this passage are the if-then promises of God. You'll notice in the first few verses... Look at the if. Chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures. If, if, if. This is the beginning of the promise of God in Proverbs. Did you notice it? Verse 1, if you receive my words. Verse 3, yes, if you call out for insight. Verse 4, yes, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure. If, if, if. We see... In this speech here, it is a speech from who? The father to his son. This is the second father-son speech that we see in Proverbs. You know it's a father-son speech because it begins with my son. This is a father pleading to his son. The first father-son speech was this. My son, watch out for the world. The world is going to say, come with us. But my son, don't go with them. And here, what is he saying to the son? My son, if you treasure up what? My commandments. So here you have a father pleading with his son to treasure up all his commandments. Now, picture yourself as the Hebrew listener. When you hear a father giving commands to the son, what do you think of? The father in heaven giving his commandments to his people. If you would treasure up the Father's commandments. We see the Father's commandments here are like our Father's commandments to us. They should be what to us? They should be treasure to us. Do you see the language he uses of these commandments? Receive my words, verse 1, and treasure up my commandments. Treasure them. And verse 4. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure. 
This is how he describes the commandments of God, ultimately. Like treasure, like silver, like gold. If you take these commandments and treasure them, do we treasure them? There's a lot of things that we treasure in this world, isn't there? We treasure a lot of things. The question a lot of us are asking is this, where were you on Monday night? I figured out what I treasured on Monday night. Blackout of the world. WhatsApp gone. Facebook gone. Instagram gone. What did you figure out? What you treasured. Because when you lost those things, what happened? You panicked. You panicked. And in our household, we didn't only lose Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. Vodafone went down too. Do you know what we did? You panicked. You know what you treasure. When you lose it, you panic. We treasure all these things in this world. We treasure internet. What if we treasure the Lord's word like that? That when we didn't hear it, we would panic. When we lost it for just one week, we would know we're missing something. This is how we should treasure the word. Have you ever received an Amazon package recently? Here's what will happen to you when you receive an Amazon package. You'll get it, it will come to your house. And as it comes to your house, you'll hold it. And people will be talking to you, but you won't hear them. You'll just walk into your house, you'll put it on the table, they'll be saying stuff, and you'll be saying, yes, I ordered this thing. And your gaze will be constantly on what? That package. And you'll have that little rice smile on your face. Why? You're opening up your treasure. You open it up slowly, and it's the light that you have when you get it. And it only lasts a momentary while until the next package of treasure comes. Wouldn't it be good if we treasured his word like that? That every time we open it up, we are literally opening up a treasure. That it will cause us to smile and delight in what he, the Father, says to us. And this is what the Father is saying to the Son. Take this word and, and drink it up like it is treasure. And you say to me, well, that's unrealistic. We can't, we can't open up the word. It's just a very mundane thing. We can't open it up and treasure it like that. That's kind of impossible. You're talking, you're talking to the fairies. You can, you're not making any sense. There's no way we could treasure the world like that. But then I took a moment this week just to read Psalm 119. Take a moment this week and read Psalm 119. And I just looked at some of the verses from Psalm 119 and saw how much this psalmist treasured the word. Listen to what he says about the word. In Psalm 119 verse 14, here's what he says. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I delight in your testimonies, Lord, as much as I delight in any of the riches of this world. I delight in your word more than that. In verse 31, he says, I cling to your testimonies. I will run in the way of your commandments. 
He doesn't receive the commandments with, with laziness. He hears the commandments of the Lord and he runs with them. He says in verse 47, I find delight in your commandments, O Lord, which I love. In verse 54, he says this, Your statutes have been like songs to me in the house of my sojournings. Your commands are beautiful. I cling to them. I run with them. I delight in them. I love them. They are like a song to me. Do you know the songs that you love? You repeat them over and over again. You just can't stop singing them. I'm that annoying person. When I have a song, I listen to it 20 million times. I can't stop hearing it. And the household gets annoyed because I just keep singing the same song over and over again. And what, what the psalmist is saying here is, Lord, your commandments, your word, they are my song. And anybody who's around me, I'm going to annoy them with the song. Yes, that's right, Pedro. Lift your arms out like that. It's the song. We're delighted with the songs of the Lord. These are His commandments to us. They should be our delight. Do you remember when His commandments were your delight? When His words were your delight? Do you remember that? He first came to Jesus, it was so simple, wasn't it? What he said, I wanted to do. If he told me something, I wanted to do it. Yet that's the problem, isn't it? We talk about it as if it's in the past tense. Remember when I used to love his commands. Remember when I used to be delighted in his word. It shouldn't be past tense. We should be present. We should be delighted in his commands. Delighted in his statutes. Delighted in his words. First book of the Bible I read. I wanted to pick a small one. <laughs> I'll confess. I was like, I'm not a good reader. I don't like reading. I'm going to pick a small one. What did I pick? James. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. People say, why do you pick James? And how did you love it that much? I mean, it's not that special of a book. It should be like Romans or Psalms or something like that. But why James? Why did James impact you so much? Here's why. James has over 50 commands. And the reason it delighted me so much is this. I just wanted to know what to do with my faith. I love Jesus, and now I just needed to know, Jesus, tell me what to do. And every single command I read, I was like, I love it. <laughs> I want to do that. Okay, I want to do that. Okay, I want to do that. Thank the Lord, someone's actually telling me what I'm supposed to do with my faith. His commands should be our delight. And if His commands are our delight, what does that mean for us? It is the if-then promises of God. If you treasure up His commands, if you seek them like silver or like gold, if you cling to them, if you love them, if they are your songs, then what? He says in verse 5, 
Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. He scorns up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of the saints. That there is the first promise of chapter 2. If you treasure up his commandments, if you hear them, if you call out for them, if you seek them, then what? You will understand the fear of the Lord. If you treasure his commands, you are going to know the Lord better. You are going to know the Lord in a deeper way than you ever have before. What Christian in this room does not want to know the Lord better? Which one of you doesn't want a deeper relationship with the Lord? How is your relationship with the Lord going right now? Deep? Vibrant? Intimate? Or mundane? Dull, bleak. How's it going? Here's what he says. If you treasure up his commands, you're going to know him better. You'll have a deeper and better understanding of the Lord and who he is if you would treasure up his commands. That's what he says in verse 5. Then you will understand what? The fear of the Lord. You will know him in a much better way. What is the fear of the Lord? It is that way you stand in absolute awe of him. Not in a way that draws you away from him, but actually in a way that draws you closer to him. So then when you see the beauty of his majesty, you're just drawn deeper into him and his love and who he is. If you know and treasure up his word, you will gain a greater and better understanding of who the Lord is. Don't you want to know him better? Treasure his word. Treasure his commands. and You will know him in a better way. And why would you do that? It says in verse 7, He is the shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of the saints. As you treasure His commands, as you grow in your knowledge of Him, you have one who is a shield over you. You have one who watches over you. The one who watches over you who neither slumbers nor sleeps. He doesn't get a wink of sleep. Do you know that the Psalms say? The Lord gets no sleep. Not because he's grumpy. The Lord gets no sleep because he's watching over the people he loves. He who watches over you neither slumbers nor sleeps. What a wonderful promise we have. If you treasure his commands, then you will understand will of the Lord. You will understand Him. You will know Him better. I want you to think again about the things that you treasure. When you lose something you treasure, what is it that you do? When you lose something you treasure, what do you do? 
So say, for example, the last time you lost your phone. What did you do when you lost your phone? Well, you panicked immediately, didn't you? And what do you do? You use all of you to search for that phone, don't you? All of you to search for the phone. You start with your hands. You go and you, you look behind all the cushions and you move the couches and you move all the chairs and you start looking with your hands, don't you? You start using your hands just to make sure that you can find that which you treasure. Then what do you do? You not only use your hands, what else do you do? You use your ears, don't you? You ask someone, call the phone. And then you listen out for the phone. You listen out for the sound, and then you think, oh, maybe I left it on vibrate. You listen out for the vibration, but then you remember you left it on silent. So what do you do then? You use something else, don't you? You use your voice. You start talking to everybody around you and asking you, did you see the phone? Where did you see the phone? You start using your voice. Then what do you do? All the while, looking for this treasure, you use your eyes. You're searching. In other words, what you're doing, when you lose your treasure, you're using all that you have to find your treasure. That's what he's saying in the beginning of this chapter. You receive the commands like treasure. Receive them with your hands. Verse 2. Be attentive with your ears. Hear it with your ears. Incline your heart to the commands. Verse 3. Use your voice for the commands. Call it out for my commands and my wisdom. And verse 4. Seek it with your eyes. Use all of your being. You know what you treasure when you use all of yourself to find it. And if you would use all of yourself to find the treasure of the word, I can guarantee you, you will know the Lord better. You'll know the Lord better. People say, oh, my relationship with the Lord is so bad. It's so bad. I don't know him intimately. I don't know him well. Things aren't going well. And what happens? What happens? They put this to the side and they say, I don't know why my relationship with him is so bad. I can't get it. And then, and then they don't meet with his people. They don't pray, they don't hear His word, and they, they say, my relationship's going so bad, I don't know what's going on. Something's wrong with God. If, if you would treasure of His commands, then you will know Him better. That's the first promise. You will know Him better. The second promise is this. You will not only know Him better, but you will know life better. Look at verse 9. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. So if you treasure his commands, then you will know the Lord better. And then verse 9 says you will know life better. You will understand what true righteousness is. You will understand what true justice is. You will understand, according to verse 9, what true equity is. And you will understand, according to verse 9, what does it say? Every good path in life. If you treasure up His commands, you will know every good path in life. If... 
And that's what life is, isn't it? It's a decision all the time between two paths. And that's what Proverbs is doing and bringing before us all the time. There's two paths, my son. There's the path of foolishness and there's the path of wisdom. There's two paths, my son. There's the wide path that leads to destruction. And there's the narrow path that leads to life, my son. Choose the narrow path. And if you would treasure up my commands, my son, you will know every good path. You will know the way you're to walk. Whenever you enter into a new city, what do you want to know? Where are the good paths? Where are the bad paths? I want to know. I need to know where to go. When we moved to Chicago, they, we, we were students and we spent two weeks of orientation. What do they tell us? They spent a long time telling us, here are the good paths to walk down, here are the bad paths. It was very simple training. Don't walk down the bad paths, walk down the good paths. If you walk down the bad paths, you'll probably get shot. If you walk down the good paths, you're more likely to live. Very, very simple. And if we would treasure up the commandments of the Lord, if we walk down the bad paths, you'll die. If you walk down the good paths, you'll live. Commandments of the Lord instruct us to every good path and give us the understanding we need for life. So, if you treasure up this, His commands, then you will know the Lord better. If you treasure up His commands, then you will know life better. And if you treasure up His commands, what's the third promise? Then you will be delivered and saved from evil You'll know the Lord better, you'll know life better, and you'll be saved from evil men. Look what he says in verse 12. Delivering you, so if you treasure up these things, they will, delivering you from the evil way, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil, and delight in perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked, and who are devious in their ways. Picture this. The father is talking to his son and he's saying, son, there are evil men out there. And I want you to be ready for the evil men out there. It's like a, a father preparing his son before he sends him off to college. I want you to know that there's evil guys out there and I want you to be protected from them. And so here's, here's the battle plan for protecting you from those evil men. Treasuring up my commands. And how do you know that an evil man is evil? Well, that's simple. I know that an evil man is evil by all his actions, by what he does. No, not primarily by his actions and by what he does. But what does the verse say? What is he warning his son about? Verse 12, from men of perverted speech. How do you know that a man is evil? By what he says. That's convicting. You will know a lot about a person by what they say. And you say, you can't judge people on what they say because sometimes they say things that they do not mean. Well, no, the Bible would say, no, when you say stuff, you say exactly what you mean. Why? Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees, Jesus had a lot of good run-ins with the Pharisees. And this is one of my favorite run-ins that he has with the Pharisees. 
He's giving out to the Pharisees about the way they teach. You see, the Pharisees had actions then. So if you were looking for evil men just on the basis of actions, you'd say, Pharisees, they're not evil. They fast all the time. They pray all the time. They, they dress right. They're all religious. It seems by their actions that they're all good. Jesus says, no, you will know these evil men by their words. And he says to these evil men, the Pharisees, he actually says these words, quite incredible. Chapter 12, verse 34, here Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, here's what he says to the Pharisees. He begins by saying this, you brood of vipers. That's Jesus. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For, he says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you want to know who an evil person is, you hear what they say. Why? Because then, that is a gateway to the heart. From the heart, the mouth speaks. And what the Father is saying to the Son and ultimately what the Father is saying to us is watch out for those people who speak evil words. Watch out for them. Because they're going to lead you down the path of foolishness. And every single one of us here, this past week and this coming week, we have been and are going to be involved in a lot of conversations, aren't we? Conversations with people in school or college, conversations with parents in the car park, conversations with people at home, if you're on a sports team, conversations in changing rooms. And what you will realize is this, the conversations in this world are evil. I can remember conversations from changing rooms that I've had years back. Years back. Evil. Conversations. What he's saying is, my son, watch out for them. Watch out for those evil conversations. Don't be a part of it. And what is the antidote for it? You battle those words that you hear from them by treasuring up my words. Treasure my commands. So that when you hear those commands and those conversations, you have something to battle with against. Change the conversation. And could I encourage you? You've been having loads of conversations throughout this week that have been full of evil. Could I encourage you? Take advantage of the conversations you can have here that can be full of edifying fellowship to the Lord. That's what we're to do. My son, if you treasure up my commands, then you will know the Lord better. Then you will know life better. Then you will know who the evil man is and you'll be able to be saved and delivered from the evil man. But my son, you'll also be saved from the evil woman. See, it's not just men, right? You'll be saved from the evil woman. What does he say? Verse 16, so is kind of like then... So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. 
My son, if you would treasure up my commands, you're going to be saved from the evil men, but you're also, my son, going to be saved from the evil woman, the forbidden woman. Father is thinking to myself, how am I going to get my son to pay attention to what I say? I know what I'll talk about. I'll talk about a beautiful woman called Lady Wisdom. And then I'll talk about an evil woman. <coughs> the adulteress. The forbidden woman. And I'm not going to talk a lot about her today because <laughs> the father actually reserves chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 all to warn the son about the forbidden woman. But how do you know a forbidden woman? How can you tell, just to say this, how can you tell there's a forbidden woman in your midst? By her actions? By her looks? No, no. By her words. By her words. The end of verse 16. For the adulteress with her smooth words. See, guys are very, very simple. Kind of... It's easy. You just tell a guy he's great and he loves you. That's what it is. Flattery. Smooth words. So he's warning the son. Watch out. You know, affairs and adultery and all that stuff, people think it starts with, with action and thinks it starts with beauty. A lot of the time, it starts with words and conversations. So my son, he would say, Watch out for her words. And what's the battle against her words? How do you keep yourself against the words of the forbidden woman? You treasure up, my son, my words, my commands. So if you treasure up my words, you will know the Lord better. You will know life better. You will be protected and saved from the evil man. You will be saved from the evil woman. And what else will you get? The final thing most glorious promise of this entire passage. If you treasure up my commands, my son, you're going to get paradise. You're going to get paradise. You will get the land. That's how he concludes verse 20. So you will walk in the way of good and keep to the paths of the righteous for the upright will inhabit the land. And those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land. And the treacherous will be rooted out of it. If you treasure my commands, then you will get paradise. Then you will get land. Have you ever wondered to yourself, why do I love the place I live so much? Why do I love home and land? Why does everybody fight in Ireland about land? It's my patch of land and he cut his grass over on my side. And why is this tree growing over on my side? And we build walls and fences just to protect our land because ultimately something deep down says we want a home. We want a home. But we forget that it is not a home of this world. It is the promised land that we are bound for. Right throughout scripture, you could call it almost a story of land. Remember? They came to the land in the garden. 
They should have treasured up his commands, but they didn't. And so what happened? They were kicked out of the land. And so there is this constant land promise back and forth. If you do this, then you will get into the land. And this constant promise. And then they were kicked out from the land. And then they got back to the land. And there was this constant land promise going right throughout scripture. But then in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 4, it says, There is this promised land. He calls it the land of absolute rest. And then in Revelation, he talks again about the land, the true place of land that is flowing with milk and honey, that actually has the tree of life. That's the promised land we're all waiting for. The new heavens and the new earth. And here's the promise. If you treasure my commands, then you will get the land. Question I had was... What if I can't do the if? What if I don't do the if very well? What if I don't treasure the commands like I should treasure them? What if I can't keep the commands like I should keep them? Do I not get the land? Do I not get all these blessings? That's the problem Paul had in Romans chapter 7. Paul was like this. Let me summarize it like this. It's a really complicated chapter, but let me summarize it like this. Here's here's the way it works. Paul says, Lord, I didn't know what coveting was, but then you had to mention coveting. And as soon as you talked about coveting, guess what I wanted to do, Lord? I wanted to covet. It's like the sign on the grass that says, don't go on the grass. What do you want to do? You want to walk on the grass. It's like that button that says, do not push. What do you want to do? You want to push it. And what is Paul saying about the commands? Lord, you told me not to covet. And the moment you told me, that's all I wanted to do. And then in in Romans chapter 7, he says, I go through this struggle in my life. I know what I should do in the law, but I cannot do what I want to do. And he talks about all this doing. I want to do this, but I cannot do it. And I don't have the will to do it. And I don't have the power to do it. And you see this kind of confusion back and forth where Paul is kind of talking to himself. As he's writing to the Romans, he's talking to himself. And then at the end of chapter 7, he says this. He concludes with this. He says, oh, forget it. Who will rescue me from this body of death? What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And then he concludes. Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's his conclusion. His conclusion is this. The law giver is also the law keeper. And that is a beautiful thing. His righteousness is yours. His treasuring of the law becomes yours. If you believe in him by faith, you will get the land because his righteousness and obedience is yours. And when you figure out this, that the law giver is ultimately the Lord keeper, do you know what you want to do? You want to say this, like I was when I was 15. Give me the book of James. Where are his commands? Tell me what to do. And anything he says, I'm going to do it. You see, when you see that he has kept the commands for you, that the Lord giver is the Lord keeper, what do you want to do? I want to obey him and follow him. And I'm not going to do it perfectly. But I desire him and I treasure him. So what I would encourage you to do is focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the lawgiver, the law keeper. And as you do, do you know what you're going to do? You're going to treasure his commands. You're going to love his word. And then you'll know him better. You'll know life better. You'll be saved from evil men. You'll be saved from the evil woman. And you will get paradise. Let's pray. Lord, we pray and ask you, Lord, that we would be a people who treasure your word. To believe the if-then promises, not of this world, but of God. We pray that we would be those people. Who use our hands to receive the word. Who use our ears to hear the word. Who use our voices to call out for the word. Who use our eyes to look and search the word. And who ultimately long for power. Pray that we would be a people who treasure you in your name.